You are now listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Major Jobs Podcast. Today I got to talk with Ken Wayne, who is a news anchor. And it was really interesting hearing about his experiences, his stories about how he got to where he is today, and what you know what his process is like on a daily basis. And he was really fun to talk to, and I really hope that you enjoy the interview. Again, thank you for listening and supporting the show. If you can, uh, please subscribe or follow it on all, you know, all the major podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, all of those podcast providers. And I hope you enjoy this interview. Thanks for listening. So uh, I just wanted to like introduce myself and tell you about what I'm doing. So basically, I'm a high schooler here in the Bay. And I started this podcast to talk to people with different jobs because I feel like teenagers today, they don't really know about the different jobs or like what they entail in the job market today. I feel like teenagers don't really know what they're going to be doing. So I just started this to interview different people about different jobs and what they entail, how people got started doing it and like what the process is like on like a daily basis, what they do. And... I thought like a news anchor would be really interesting because uh, I always watch the news, but you don't really know what goes into actually saying it. And I know there are like some technical stuff like intonation and stuff like that. So I'm kind of interested to hear about uh, your experiences and stuff like that. Okay, sounds good. So uh, I'll just ask you like your first question. What would you say your job title is? Uh, news anchor uh, or journalist. And what? would you say like your job description is what do you do uh i um i uh, help put together a newscast every night um i go over all of the content that is in the newscast uh i help fact check uh, look for errors um uh make sure we have the latest most accurate information in each story um and then I uh, I go through all the scripts, make sure I know how to pronounce everything that's in it, because we often get uh, unusual names from different people or uh, locations uh, around the Bay Area, around the world, uh, make sure I know I'm saying it correctly. Um, and, that, and that's basically it. Uh, sometimes I, I do interviews uh, before, uh, we go on the air that will be put into the newscast, uh, so I'll put those together. Or sometimes that happens live on the newscast. We'll have a guest, or we'll have a live uh, interview via Skype or satellite, and uh, I have to prepare for that interview and uh, get into the subject matter, find out what we're talking about, try to get up to speed on uh, what is relevant, what makes that interview newsworthy. Um, and try to get uh, as much helpful information out of that interview for the viewer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So did you know that you wanted to be in like the journalism field from an early age? Yeah, I uh, was on my high school newspaper. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This was long before the internet. Um, And uh, I I always was interested in writing. Um, I and I liked uh, reading uh, really interesting uh, journalists of that time. I went, I graduated in 1978, so 
Um, there was there was an interesting thing going on in journalism at that time because it was, you know, I was reading stuff, uh, kind of becoming aware of things right after Watergate, during and after Watergate. So uh, that was a kind of a golden age of investigative reporting um, with Woodward and Bernstein and the book they wrote, All the President's Men, which became a movie later. Um, I really liked Hunter S. Thompson, who was a writer. He was in Rolling Stone magazine a lot, and Rolling Stone was really kind of a cutting-edge uh, weekly uh, paper that was paper magazine kind of thing. Um, they they had some really great investigative reporting and new kinds. Of, they called it the new journalism at the time. Tom Wolfe uh, wrote Bonfire of the Vanities and a bunch of other books. Uh, the Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, which was about the the hippie movement. Uh, Hunter Thompson wrote uh, about being with the Hells Angels. Um, there's just some really cool stuff that was happening, and and journalism was was getting away from kind of a traditional uh, dry kind of reporting to something that was edgier and just uh, it was really entertaining, but it was also really informative and so I was attracted to that, and then after uh, high school, I I ended up joining the. I, d I took a non-traditional route uh, to get into broadcasting. Most people go to college and uh, get a degree in mass communications or broadcast journalism or something like that. Um, I I ended up joining the Navy. My dad had been in the Navy for a while, and um, and specifically. Uh, got into the Navy's journalism program. They have Navy journalists who put together, uh, you know, media mass communications for the military. So you go to a school, it's called the Defense Information School, and all the uh, journalists from all the other branches of the service go there. So you go to the school at this Army base, and there's Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, all studying the same classes and and then learning the same thing. So the Navy ended up putting me in broadcasting because they needed broadcasters. And it's something I hadn't really even considered. I thought I was going to do print reporting and, and maybe some still photography, which I learned at that school. But um, they put me in broadcasting after that. So I ended up staying there um, an extra amount of time. And then when I got out of that school, they sent me to... Uh, a base up in Adak, Alaska, which is out in the Aleutian Islands. Uh, it's real remote. Um, it was a, it's a patrol station for P-3 anti-submarine aircraft. Uh, a lot of the planes out of the Moffett Naval Air Station that used to be open would go up to Alaska and they do, you know, three or six month tours and rotate through. So there were always aircraft coming through there. Anyway, there was there were dependents that lived up there and a lot of things going on at that base. And I don't know, there were maybe 8,000 people on the island. So it was really remote. And uh, so the Navy set up a TV and radio station so that the people up there could, you know, get some entertainment and, you know, watch programs. And, and we did the news. We would do a newscast every night on our little TV station out in Adak, Alaska. And I was, you know, 18, 19 years old. And 
that's how I got on the air. I started, you know, anchoring the news in Adak, Alaska, you know, when I was basically a kid. Um, and then I ended up from there. I went to a ship on the East Coast for a couple of years, and then I went to to the Philippines for uh, a couple of years. And then when I got out of the service, I, um, you know, started looking for a job at, in a TV newsroom and, and I didn't have a college degree. And so I, it, it kind of hampered me in the beginning because civilian news directors didn't understand what the military journalism program was all about. And I think they were a little bit leery of it. Like, you know, maybe I, I had kind of a warped view of what journalism was supposed to be because I was in the military. Um, but I ended up getting into a TV, small TV newsroom in Palm Springs. And, uh, you know, after a few months, I proved myself and they they hired me and I started, you know, reporting there. And then uh, within, a, I don't know, four or five months, I was able to get a job as a full-time reporter in Chico. And... Um, that was kind of my ticket. Once I got hired and was doing stories and then you start building up a resume with, you know, you have videotape of all the stories you've done and, and then you can show that to other uh, potential employers and they can see, you know, the quality of your work and that makes it easier to, to get a job. If you, if you start doing a good job and they can see that then you move up. So I, I worked in Chico a couple of years and I got into, Fresno, which was a bigger market, bigger city, bigger station, and worked there a couple of years. And I ended up going to Los Angeles, and I worked at KTLA for almost a couple, almost two years, and then uh, ended up coming back home to the Bay Area, and uh, worked at Channel Two for 26 years, and now I'm I'm over at Cron. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been there almost a year now, so. So that that's kind of the history of my employment. Wow. And what would you say is like your process is like? Like what do you do on a daily basis? Um, well, you know, usually first thing after I wake up is, you know, I, I check what's going on. So, you know, I'll, I'll have the TV on in the background and I'll be watching CNN or MSNBC or, or local news stations depending on what's kind of important. Like if there's a teacher strike going on, then I'm paying more attention to the local news. Um, stormy weather, you know, we've got an atmospheric river going on. I'm, I'll check in with the local news first just to make sure I understand, you know, what's significant, you know, where, where the flooding is, you know, how many teachers walked off the job, any, any other big local stories that I haven't heard about yet. Um, if it seems kind of quiet around the Bay Area, then I'll, I'll be watching CNN or MSNBC to see what the latest is on the Mueller investigation or um, any other big national stories. And, you know, I have all my apps on the phone, so I'm checking SFGate, the New York Times, uh, you know, other news outlets and just kind of get an overview of everything that's going on. And, you know, I get emails and people will send me story ideas all the time and we'll, we'll look into that. And, um, if, if I can't do it, I'll pass it on to somebody else at the station. Um, and I'll check it, checking them out and see if they're newsworthy. And, you know, usually they are and we'll, we'll pursue it and, and, you know, go from there. 
Like last night was really interesting because uh, during the nine o'clock hour, so I anchor the news at six, eight, and 10 o'clock with Pam Moore. So I do three hours every night. And in between the eight and the 10 o'clock, we have a nine o'clock newscast and I, uh, we have uh, Grant Lotus and Vicki Libiakis, they anchor that newscast. And so Pam and I are getting ready for the 10 o'clock while they're on the air. Well, during that hour, we found out that the public defender in San Francisco had died um, suddenly and uh, took all of us by surprise because he seemed to be in good health and he was fairly young. He was only 59 years old. And um, so, you know, the first thing we had to do is confirm it because it was just reported by I think the San Francisco Chronicle first. And then then there started, you know, there were some tweets coming out from other people. So anyway, we uh, we ended up getting hold of uh, Willie Brown, who used to be the mayor, and uh, he confirmed it for us. And um, so we ended up at the top of the newscast at 10. And we had Willie Brown on the phone, and we did a pretty extended live interview with him about Jeff Adachi, the public defender, and because he had worked in city government as the mayor and knew Jeff and he was surprised by it all too. So we had, I don't know, maybe a 10 minute live interview with Willie Brown. And then we went uh, straight to another live interview. I think it was a FaceTime interview with uh, John Burroughs, who's a civil rights attorney in Oakland. And he had a lot of experience with Jeff Adachi. So we had a good 15 minutes or so of nonstop, completely ad-libbed, non-scripted live interviews talking about a big breaking story. So that's another aspect of what we do is you have to be ready to kind of be flexible and you can have a newscast that's all put together and looks perfect and you know exactly what you're going to do for a full hour and at the last minute that whole thing can get thrown out the window and then you have to, you know, change and and adjust to breaking news and and you have to do that story. So that keeps you on your toes. What are like some, I don't know, technicalities of being a news anchor? Because I can tell like from talking to you right now, you sound a lot different than when you're on TV. And what are like some like little things that the public doesn't really like, uh, they don't really know about being a news anchor? Because I just, I read up on it. And I think like one thing is like the tone of the voice is like, really different from when you're casually talking and when you're on the news. So I was wondering what your thoughts about that are. Um, well, you know, you don't want to sound too different. You don't want to sound um, robotic or mechanical or uh, mm-hmm. unnatural, I guess, when you're doing the mm-hmm. news. Uh, I think especially when we're doing live interviews, I, I would sound pretty much like I sound right now. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I'm having a conversation yeah. with somebody, we're trying to get information. Uh-huh. Um, but when you're reading a scripted story, yeah, you can have a whole, a little bit different style and how you're presenting that, what you're saying. So you try to do it in a way that does sound natural. Um, and you know, there's, you pay attention to little things like cadence, you know, how fast you're reading the story. You don't want to read too slow or too fast. You don't want to, uh, be sing-songy in your delivery. Um, you know, there's just, I think the what most of us do who are in the business, at least what I've done is, um, 
I just paid attention to people who were at the top of their game in, in the news business, you know, when I was growing up. So, you know, I, I watched the network news anchors, you know, at the time it was like Dan Rather and Peter Jennings and Tom Brokaw, those kinds of guys and, and saw how they did it and kind of took what I liked and, and ignored what I didn't like and, you know, developed my own style. And, um, you know, and you, and you have to have a certain kind of tenor to your to your story and your reading when there's certain kinds of stories that you're doing. They're they're all different. So if it's a happy story, you want to be more upbeat, and it's okay to smile. But if you're doing, you know, a tragedy, it's it's a whole different approach. So, um, and the same thing goes when it's not scripted. You have to pay attention to how you're giving out information. And this goes back to my reporting days because I I was on the ground in New York after 9-11 or I was in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina or I was in Las Vegas during the mass shooting. So you have to understand, you know, the gravity of what you're dealing with and, you know, have an appropriate kind of tone. But then, you know, I was at the Super Bowl in New Orleans as well when the 49ers were there. So, you know, that was a whole different style and energy in telling that story. So, and, you know, you just don't want to go too far, you know. Yeah, it can be a tragic story, but you don't want to, you don't want to be maudlin about it. You know, you don't want to get too down about it because you're really, you're still just trying to provide information. And then, you know, if you're at the Super Bowl, you can have fun, but you don't want to be too goofy about it. So it's trying to find a, a little bit of a balance, you know you know, not going too far in either direction. Um, but, you know, the voice, it's its just trying to be natural and, you know, not get too high in your voice, not to get too low, you know, not to play it. I'm not trying to play an anchorman, I guess. Uh-huh. You know, I'm just trying uh-huh. to be me. And uh-huh. I think you're more successful if you're just yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, what kind of advice would you give to a teenager that wants to pursue your job field? Um, You know, what I did was look at what you admire, what uh, draws you to get into this field and, and look at those styles and how they do it. And, and like I said, take the good stuff that you like. And there are certainly plenty of people who do things that are annoying on TV and don't do those things. (laughs) That's one of the big things for me. I, I've watched plenty of news anchors and I'm like, ah, that just bugs the crap out of me when they do that. And so I try to make a point of not doing that, you know, Um, you know, some of the kind of happy talk and chit chatty stuff that you'll see after a story and the kind of fake laughter and all that kind of stuff. Like Mm -hmm. that'll drive me nuts. So I, I try not to do that, you know, and if I end up laughing on the air or somebody saying something, it's, because I thought it was funny. It's not like I'm pretending it was uh-huh. funny, you know, so. Uh-huh. Uh, what, like, traits would you say someone would need to be in your profession? Uh, you have to be uh, very curious. You have to want to know what's going on. Um, you have to have a, you have to be a quick study. You have to kind of learn real fast about different subject matters that you may not know much about 
and uh, you have to learn enough about it to be able to accurately um, uh, do your story. You know, you could be doing a, a story on a fire and firefighters start talking about certain things and you got to kind of understand what they're talking about when they're talking about, you know, uh, why they had water pressure issues or, you know, what, what the wind did to the fire, what was burning inside that caused it to do certain things. Um, and, and then the next day you're talking to a doctor, you know, about uh, some new disease or some new treatment or, you know, a patient's injuries. And, and you kind of have to quickly understand, you know, kind of the, the bigger picture of what he's talking about and, you know, why it's important to, to learn certain things about certain issues. And, you know, during the drought, you're talking about water issues and, you know, where our water comes from and, and, uh, then you know, when we're having flooding, it's the opposite. We're, we're trying to understand why certain areas get more flooding than others and what's been done in, historically to try to prevent it and how come it hasn't worked and things like that. So you just have to be really curious and ask a lot of questions and, uh, and be accurate. And I, you know, the other thing I would say is you don't want to go into this business with an agenda of some kind of political bias or, or or way of thinking because um, you'll just get burned you know if you you say i'm i'm going to do stories on this and i'm going to you know put basically your stamp on on that story then then you're not really being a journalist journalist you're just being a you know propagandist you know putting out something that's not accurate so you know, and, and a lot of times you'll talk to people that you completely disagree with, um, but there are reasons that you're doing that story. But so you kind of have to check your bias, you know, and somebody could be saying something that you think is wrong or, or, or whatever. And you have to understand that, you know, just because you don't agree with it doesn't mean it's not newsworthy. You know, otherwise you wouldn't be there to begin with. So you got to put that into account you know, consider, you know, what their information is and how it affects your story. So mm. I don't know if that makes any sense, mm. but you no, just got to, you got to be accurate. Yeah. Uh-huh. What is something that you didn't really expect when you first started broadcasting the news? Mm, I, I, I don't think I had any real surprises. It was kind of, it was what you expected. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, Something that... Uh, wait, go on. I'm sorry? Oh, did you want to say something? Sorry. No, I no. Interrupted. no. Oh, okay. Uh, something that, I don't know, I kind of got was... Uh, so you choose your own stories that you broadcast? Is that what I'm getting? Well, as a reporter, you go, you know, you go to your... You have a meeting in the morning with all the other reporters and the assignment desk and the producers, and you're talking about the day's news. So um, you, you pitch stories. You're like, Hey, I think we should cover this, or I heard about this. And so um, as a group, um, everyone kind of has a say and they go, Oh yeah, that's, you know, we definitely want to do that. Or somebody will say, well, we did that story before and, you know, and this is what happened. You know, so, you know, but maybe sometimes things change and there's a different way of doing it. But, yeah, you're pitching a story or more than one story. And, uh, you know, they're good stories. And 
then you go you go pursue them. Um, as an anchor, I don't do as much of that because I'm I'm kind of taking everybody else's stories that they're out doing and and introducing them or or elaborating on them. But at the same time, I'll I'll have a say in in you know what stories we'll cover if I think there's something we're missing um, or there's something new that they're not aware of, then I'll I'll throw that in there and. There's plenty of times I'll go in and I'll say, hey, you know, I heard that this is going on and, you know, this this sounds like a good story. And they'll go, oh, yeah, we'll go do that. And they'll, they'll go cover it. So um, so I'm, I'm like one part of the bigger picture of how the station gathers news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because I, I don't know what I was getting. Well, what I thought about the news beforehand was the news anchors tell the stories the the reporters go out in the field and talk about uh, other stories and it, like the news anchors introduce them that's kind of what i was yeah I really thought of the news yeah yeah that's that's basically how it works but sometimes the news anchor introducing a story that a reporter is doing is because it was the news anchor who came up with that story to begin with and that's why that reporter is out there um because there's a lot of times where um you know, I'll, I'll I'll know something about a story, and a reporter will go out, and you know, I might even know more than the reporter who's doing the story about that subject because I've been here a long time, and I I know a lot of people around here, um, and so I I have some history, and you know, you'll get a younger reporter who who isn't aware of some of those things. So, but yeah, and that's that's kind of kind of where you build up. Uh, I guess journalistic equity in a market. If you've been in a place in a long time and you, you know, some history about certain things, you know, I was, I covered the 1989 earthquake. I covered the 1991 Oakland Hills fire, you know, I, so I covered the poly class kidnapping and there's lots of big, big, big stories that happened in the Bay area that I've covered. And, and so that it, that's helpful, especially when you're, working with younger reporters who weren't even born yet when all those things happened. So it makes a difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what are some like fun stories you can share or like some memories that you can share from being a news anchor? Um, just, you know, working with really good people and, and, um, um, you know, it's it's so long, and there's so many things that happen. It's hard to just kind of focus in on a couple examples. Uh-huh. But um, I mean, like right now, I'm working with Pam Moore, and she's really fantastic, and she's been in this market about the same amount of time as me, and and we just we click and uh, we get it. I have tremendous respect for her, and so we 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 think alike in a lot of ways about how we cover news and um i i like the fact that uh you know she's really plugged into the black community and i support her in all of that and um i i like that i'm learning more from her and so it's fun to share stories and information and you know this whole black panther thing and this uh um black filmmaker a resurgence that's going on and especially out of Oakland, you know, there's some amazing talent coming out of Oakland right now um, in music and film. And um, it's fun to, 
it's fun to hear her stories about the relationships she has with a lot of those folks and and what's going on. So, you know, the Bay Area is just so amazing, so so dynamic. There's so much going on here that, you know, from technology to the arts to politics and, you know, just the natural issues that we have with um, fires and droughts and floods and, you know, even snow. So there's just always something going on here. So that's, that's what's fun. It's every day is different. You never know what you're going to do. Um, you don't know what you're going to cover. I mean, yesterday we had three or four major stories that happened during the course of the day. I mean, we had, you know, uh, the, the Jesse Smollett, uh, case was, was, was the big thing in the morning. And then it switched over to, uh, R. Kelly getting handcuffed and put in jail and the public defender in San Francisco suddenly passed away. Uh, we had the woman who, who was buried by a landslide at Fort Funston and they were searching for her into the night. I mean, that was just yesterday. I mean, those were all pretty big stories. So, um, you know, you just, you go to work and you, you think you might know what you're doing that day. And there's a big story for the day and you could be doing something completely different that just kind of takes over, you know, the headlines and, and, uh, mm-hmm. you're onto something completely different from what you thought you were going to be doing. So that's, mm-hmm. that's the interesting mm-hmm. part about this, this job that you're never bored. There's always something happening. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Um, Okay, I just have kind of like a curious question. How would I pitch a new story to the station? Like if I say, oh, uh, I want more listeners on my podcast. How do I like get uh, the news station to tell a story about it? I don't know, something random like that. Um, well, it's unlikely that a news station is going to you know, help somebody with their oh yeah yeah I know pri- private well something yeah yeah definitely. but but if you had uh, an interview with somebody that was was newsworthy um, then yeah they would definitely like if you had an interview with somebody who suddenly became a topic of interest um then then that's one way of doing it you know and and. You just contact news organizations. They they all have like a tip line or something like that on their website where you can send in story ideas. Um, and if it's if it's a good one, then they'll respond. Um, but yeah, it has to be basically it has to be newsworthy or unusual or different or you know we get we get pitches all the time from these public relations agencies who are trying to get us to cover certain things, but the real reason uh-huh. is because they're just trying to get publicity to sell something. Yeah. You know, so we'll get, Hey, you know, do you have problems with your taxes? And well, our tax expert can talk about this or, you know, it just, just depends what time of year it is. You know, you know, if it's winter, then it's like, Hey, we have this guy who, who's an expert on rain gutters, you know, <laughs> it's like, well, he's, they're just trying to sell rain gutters. So we're not, so, you know, so we all, you know, I always get emails from people I don't know, you know, from usually from out of the Bay Area, 
um, and they're just trying to sell something. And they they they're not hitting. They're not just hitting me. They're sending these emails out to every journalist they can find to try to get publicity. Yeah. So that's a regular thing. So you're going to have to compete against all those emails that are going out and these reporters and all these stations get the same emails and 99% of them are ignored. So you're going to have to have something that would stand out. So it has to be, you know, local and, you know, a reason for a local station to, to spend time, you know, doing that story. So yeah, if you had an interview with somebody who was, you know, really significant or, you know, let's say you had just interviewed Jeff Adachi uh, for a project just before he passed away. And if you called in and said, hey, uh, I think I have the last interview with Jeff Adachi and he was talking about, um, you know, whatever, uh, you know, his his latest big case that he's working on or he's even talking about his, how he stays healthy, you know, anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, I guarantee everybody mm-hmm. would want to, yeah. everybody would want that. So, yeah. So see what I mean? So like, yeah, yeah, definitely. One thing too, is to try to think about what's going on um, in the Bay area or California kind of right now and things that interest you and interview people who know about that. And then you you might come up with something that uh, that people would you know stations would be interested in, and that's that's just that's a hard one to to do. I mean, I couldn't even if I was in your shoes and I'm trying to think, oh, I I want to pitch this story. It's like yeah, it's kind of hard to come up with something that you think that everybody's going to want to cover. So it's I'm not yeah. I'm yeah, not trying to discourage you. I'm just saying it. No, 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 it's a challenge. I know. Yeah. Okay. Um, like, what would you say motivates you on a daily basis to continue doing what you do? Is it just like the love for you know broadcasting, or or is it just like the pay? What uh, you know makes you get out of bed and keep doing it every day? Um. Well. Certainly not the pay because the pay isn't what everybody thinks it is. It's not, you know, nobody's getting rich in this business, especially these days uh, because, um, you know, it's the internet and there's so much competition against TV news now and, and it's everybody's fighting for advertising dollars and just look at the newspapers and what they've gone through. Um, you know, the Chronicle used to be, you know, as fat as a phone book and now, you know, every newspaper is a lot thinner than it used to be because there's fewer, you know, there used to be this, these things called classified ads where you'd spend 20 bucks to get a little thing in the classified section of something that you were selling. And they would have hundreds and hundreds of those classified ad postings. And that's, they made a ton of money off of that. And then Craigslist came out and wiped out that that whole entire thing because it's like why would I pay 20 bucks to put it in the paper when I can do it for free on Craigslist so um so anyway it's not the money but yeah it's just it's it's like I said every day is different you know I I go to work and I think I'm going to do one thing and I can be doing something entirely different and when I was reporting um you know I go to work and 
I could end up in a courthouse or I could end up at a fire or I could end up at a, a protest or, you know, a, a, a train wreck. You know, you just don't know. And that's that's uh, what keeps your brain active and engaged. And um, and then it's it's exciting to be where everything is happening You're, to be at the center of a, a big newsworthy event and to witness it firsthand and you know kind of be part of history you know to stand you know i just remember standing in the oakland hills you know after 3000 homes were burned down or or standing in just you know a couple years ago in Napa with the earthquake that that knocked down some buildings and and you know standing in places that a lot of people from the public can't go into because they're you know crime scenes or or disaster areas or whatever and I'm not saying we get right into the middle of it but we usually get closer than other people can get you know I I was at 9/11 and I was able to get past places that the public wouldn't be allowed to go into um, so that I could see the activity with our camera of uh, what was going on at Ground Zero. So, you know, I just remember standing there when the whole place was covered with ash and hadn't been cleaned up yet. And, you know, there were abandoned cars and and rubble and and it it was just, you know, makes your jaw drop about you know some of the things that you see so that's kind of what keeps you going it's just it's kind of an adrenaline rush to be in the middle of you know big stories that years later people look back and and then that is history you know you didn't sometimes you don't know it's going to be historic at the time but then later you know people start referencing to these big things that happen and you go yeah, I was there. I was there when all that happened. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow, that, yeah, that seems kind of like fun. Like, you know, uh, you always see it on the news, but then actually being there is something different. And I think that's like something a lot of people would like to do. Just like being there actually instead of being uh, like witnessing it on a screen. Right. So, right. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember yeah. I remember I, I went to Texas when the space shuttle uh, crashed or broke apart on re-entry and mm. and there was debris from the space shuttle scattered all over this part of texas and uh and i remember you know talking to a guy who said oh i got i got big pieces of the shuttle in my in, at my ranch you know there's all over the place and he goes you guys he goes you want to see it and i'm like yeah and so we get into the car we follow him out and it's dark and we're in the middle of i don't know where you know in texas <laughs> we're outside this town called nacogdoches which i never even heard of before that mm. and uh and we're driving and driving and driving and i remember talking to the photographer i'm like we don't know where this guy's taking us i mean he could be setting <laughs> us up just to rob us you know we have no uh-huh. clue what's going on and because we're not from there and we're disoriented and and uh, finally we he stops and we get out and we turn our our lights on for the camera and we're looking around and sure enough there's these huge chunks of metal and debris and you know and right away we're like holy crap 
that's part of that's part of the space <laughs> shuttle, and it's just scattered all over, hanging off his barbed wire fence, and and wow. I'm like, and no, nobody had been there. I mean, the authorities hadn't wow. been there yet because this thing was scattered all over the place. Wow. And uh, you know, and then you got you as a journalist, you're like, okay, you know, you don't touch anything. You don't, you know, it's 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 gonna be a place where investigators need to do their jobs. So you're not gonna mess anything up but we took a bunch of pictures and interviewed the guy about what happened and and then later you know we got back after we did our story and and we're like that was insane i mean that was just so weird that we just walked around in the middle of the dark and and found chunks of the space shuttle it was just bizarre so wow wow i mean uh, I think that's what, yeah, I think that's what gets people going. Just like, you know, actually being there and having those experiences like that, you know, it kind of makes me want to be a journalist. Just like to be in those places that are, like to be in those places that are relevant and like to view things happening in front of you. So yeah, I, I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. One, I guess like one last question is, what do you want to do in the future? Like, what do you want to keep doing? Or what do you want to do that's new? Well, one thing I'm uh, pursuing right now is uh, I'm also a private pilot. So I have a, a little Cessna airplane. And uh, I've started to do stories uh, involving flying. Um, so I put some cameras, you know, on the wing strut and, you know, like three or four cameras on the plane and and in the plane and uh, me and my wife and our dog go out on these little adventures and um so i'm trying to to work on a uh a regular program that involves flying and and kind of like a a travel story uh but with some journalism and some fun mixed in so because my wife's not a journalist but she has a big personality and she's um very spontaneous and she has a lot of fun with traveling and stuff. So we did a thing uh, where I belong to a group called pilots and paws where we volunteer to fly. Usually it's dogs, but to fly pets from um, like a kill shelter to a rescue place. So they put up these things that say, Hey, uh, we got, uh, we got a German shepherd in Bakersfield that needs to go to Santa Rosa. And so if any pilots are flying in that direction, they'll go, oh, I can take them, you know? And so they'll pick them up. And so it's really fun because, you know, you get to help and it doesn't really take you out of your way or anything like that. And it's just a good excuse to go flying. And so one day there was a posting and luckily I happened to see it right when it got posted and it was, uh, two bear cubs need to go from Lake Tahoe to San Diego County. And I was like, I jumped on it and I ended up doing a story on it. So I flew up to Tahoe, picked up some bear cubs, put them in the plane and flew down to Southern California and dropped them off. And then they had a bear cub down there that they wanted to go back to Tahoe. So I picked up another (laughs) bear and flew him back up to Tahoe all in one day and shot it all on GoPros and, ended up putting uh-huh. together some really fun stories about flying these bears. Uh-huh. And so that's the kind of stuff that uh, I want to 
uh-huh. do more of. So I'm hoping if the weather the weather holds up, a uh, week after this, I'm going to fly down to uh, Arizona for spring training and do some stories on what to do when you're not at the baseball game. Um, stuff, mm-hmm. stuff to do around Scottsdale and, uh-huh. and Mesa. Uh-huh. And so that's what I'm working on right wow. now. And then I'm going to do some other flying stories around all over California. Uh-huh. How long does it take to go from Lake Tahoe to San Diego? It's um, about a three-and-a-half, four-hour flight in my plane. I mean, it's I don't have a jet. It's just a little propeller, single-engine Cessna. So, um, and it depends on... cool. Yeah, it was it was great. It was a great trip. Yeah, they you just like go wherever you want on the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of little airports that people don't. See, and that's part of the reason I want to do it is I want to expose people to uh, small planes, general aviation. You know, not commercial flying, but mm-hmm. regular folks who happen to have airplanes and they go flying around. And there's all these little runways all over the mm-hmm. place that a lot of people don't think of. And you know you. You know, did you know that you can fly into Half Moon Bay, park your plane, and pitch, no, a, I didn't. pitch a tent and camp at the airport? They have barbecue pits. What? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that sounds so cool. You just go wherever you want. And, like, I, I want to kind of just go, like, you know, take a plane to Lake Tahoe with my family and then, yeah. like, come back. And In the I day. I guess like, no traffic. Right. Yeah, there's, like, no traffic. To- <laughs> no traffic. I'm looking down at, at eight, Interstate 80 with everybody stuck in traffic, and I'm just zipping right yeah, by. Yeah, and the views must be amazing, too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the wintertime, yeah. you know, you got all the snow in the summer, and it's beautiful, and you fly over the lake. And, you know, my wife's originally wow. from Reno, so we'll, she still has family up there, so uh-huh. we'll fly up to Reno and fly right over the middle of Lake Tahoe and drop down wow. the mountain. And, um, yeah, there's two airports at Tahoe that, you know, there's Truckee, that will get you around the North Shore, and then South Lake Tahoe has a has an airport. So that's I picked up the Bears at South Lake Tahoe, and flew like down past Yosemite, all the way down the Sierra, down into Southern California, a place called Ramona. It's in San Diego County. Um, but yeah, that's I mean it's like an hour and fifteen minutes for me to fly to to Tahoe, <clears throat> and it would take me three and a half hours to to drive without traffic. So are you thinking about getting into this career? I've always wanted to do something like journalist, mm-hmm. uh, journalism related because I always liked uh, the media and I've always had like, you know, some sort of passion for the media. That's kind of why I'm doing this right now. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I might study it in the future. I might try to find some ways to get into like the media business. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, that's what I'm kind of trying to do. Yeah, well, I... You know, my my advice would be, you know, just take some basic journalism classes and, and uh, you know, I I'm not up to speed on what what classes are being offered these days. But, there, you know, whatever uh, line of uh, media you're interested in, whether it's, you know, digital or, or, or uh, you know, broadcast, um, you know, take some classes. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say completely focus on that in school you want to kind of have other you know learning about how to be a reporter is not real complicated you can either do it or you can't you can either write a story or read a story or or you can't you know so you know if you had a speech impediment then you'd probably say well maybe that's not the job for me or if you had poor grammar and couldn't spell then maybe writing news stories isn't the best thing to do but 
once you get past that and you can write, then there's no reason to spend hours and hours and hours in a bunch of different classes on journalism. You know, you already got the basics of how to write a story and what it's all about. What you want to learn more of are other things that you would be covering as a journalist. So uh, if you have particular areas that you'd be interested in, in like political science, you know, you want to cover politics or uh, some kind of government studies or history or, you know, or science, you know, there's all kinds of different things that as a journalist, you, you know, would have deeper knowledge of some of these subjects that you're particularly interested in, um, then, then that can help you if you really want to go into a certain kind of journalism. Does that make sense? So like if you want to cover tech, you know, because there's a lot of tech reporters that all, that's all they do is cover tech um, or business. There's a lot of business reporters and those people, you know, they're always going to have a job. But Or if you just want to do general assignment is what they call just kind of regular news where it's everything. Um, I think it's good to just have some other background to kind of beef up your your skills you know, as a writer. And then, you know, get get in an internship at a, a station or whatever kind of business you're interested in. Get an internship and hang out in the newsroom and see how things are done and mm-hmm. and kind of find out what which kind of work attracts you the most and talk to the people who are doing it. So, um What's something about like new reporters that you think they lack or that like you think could be improved on? Well, the way it generally works is new reporters go to really small places and that's where they learn. Um, and that's where you make your mistakes um, because those small places don't pay very much. You know, you might have to have a roommate. And, you know, my first job, I was making like $13,000 a year. Uh, you know, but you know, I my rent was only three hundred dollars a month, so this is a whole different time. That was in Chico, and um, but that's where you start to learn how things work. You know, they go, oh, you're going to go cover this prelim- preliminary hearing on this murder suspect today, and they, and they they say go, and then I'm like, what's a preliminary hearing? <laughs> you know, who is this murder suspect? Who did he kill? You know, so. That's, then you start to learn, oh, this is how a court works. This is what they do. And then you talk to the attorneys, you know, you talk to the prosecutor. Well, this is what he did. And we're going to, you know, charge him with first degree or second degree. Well, what's the difference between first degree and second degree murder? I don't know. What's manslaughter compared to murder? I don't know. So you start to learn all that stuff, you know. Then you talk to the the guy's uh, uh, defense attorneys, like he wasn't there or he didn't do it or, you know, whatever, you know. And then you start to learn their job and then that's how you put a story together and pretty soon after a few court cases you get it you know you understand it so you don't want to come to san francisco and and say you're going to go cover this murder case and you're going to go i don't know anything about that (laughs) you know i don't know how that so that's where you get your experiences those smaller the smaller towns and you learn all those things you start you cover a city council meeting and and you start to understand how city council operates and what they can do and can't do. You know, they're, they're going to say, we're going to have the, we're going to pass this uh, 
this ordinance tonight and then we'll have the first reading next month and you're like what's a first reading i don't you know what is that how does an ordinance become law you know stuff like that so that's that's where you kind of get uh get everything figured out is you know a couple years in, in a smaller market and you get all those basics covered you've covered court cases you've covered city council meetings you've covered some political contests you've covered some disasters and crashes and fires and this and that and then you start to get a sense of oh this is how all of these things work and then so the next time when you get to a bigger city they're still doing the same thing that happened in the smaller towns it's just on a bigger scale you know it's like you know there's more people involved and there maybe the politics are a little more intense and you know protests are bigger you know that kind of thing but but at least you've done it so you kind of get it and you know you're always learning every day is new but but you, you don't want to walk into and and nobody's going to hire you anyway walking into San Francisco or Los Angeles or even Sacramento off the street and they're going to say what's your experience you're going to go well I just got out of college they're like nah, we need more than that we need you know but if you say oh I worked uh I worked a year in in Reading and or, you know Salinas and uh, then I worked two years in in Fresno or or Reno um then they're going to go okay you know and then they're going to want to see your stuff and they're going to want to see your tape but that first job is sometimes the hardest but even when you get it you're not going to make it very much money and you know you'll be eating some ramen and stuff <laughs> you know this is how it is but you're learning you know so it's that's part of the whole process you know and if you're if you're really good you'll move up fast you know you'll move up fast so and if you're not any good, you'll you'll be eating ramen the rest of your life in a little town in the middle of nowhere if that's what that's the career you want to do. So that's kind of how it works. Well, uh, I, you know, I feel like that's the same for a lot of jobs. Like, uh, well, maybe not for. Well, okay. Uh, let me. I'll say like every job you have to work hard to get to like. Um, you know a good paying like good uh, like you know a good job that you're satisfied with uh, I've talked to a lot of people and you know I've talked to like a Grammy winning band and they did the same thing they had to you know eat ramen and eat from like a rice uh, a rice cooker from the back of a van for like 10 years before they got to where they are today and I've talked to like you know a ton of people that have that same I don't like that same experience of just uh you know, working really hard to get to where they are. And I guess before I did this interviewing people, I never really understood what it meant when people said you have to work hard to get to where you are. But then, you know, talking to so many people about their experiences, um, you know, how they got to where they are, um, you know, really opened my eyes to see that, you know, it's you have to really work hard to do something that um, to do something that you're satisfied with. And, you know, uh, that's just something that I learned and that I got from what you said. So, yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah. I feel like that's, you know, um, a standard in what people have to do. Well, you don't want to you don't want to you don't want to look back and have regrets about the job that 
you're doing. You don't want to go, uh, you know, I always really wanted to do that, but I instead I did this because it was easier and safer and I could make decent money. But, you know, like my, my dentist is, he's a great dentist. Um, I had some work done and he did a fantastic job, but he's a frustrated rock and roll guitar player, <laughs> you know, because he's always got, <laughs> He's always got rock and roll playing in this place. He's got pictures on the wall. You know, he's got his guitar in the corner and he plays in different bands when he's done at the office. And it's like, you know, he, I think if he had to do it all over again, he would just be out on the road playing his guitar. You know, he probably would be poor, but maybe he'd be happier. I don't know. But I mean, I look at it too. For me, it's like, you know, I enjoy flying, but it's like, I don't want to be a, a commercial pilot. I don't want to be driving a bus with wings, you know, and a hundred screaming people in the back. I don't want to do that. But, but I enjoy flying small planes and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do this. I just want to go do this flying thing and do stories flying. I don't see anybody else doing anything like that. And maybe people would be interested. And once I started, I started pitching this to channel two and, and they're like, eh, you know, and they're kind of, going through all this stuff and then this position came up at channel four and I said, by the way, I want to do these flying things. They're like, fine, that would be great. We have no problem with that. So immediately I got to, that's one of the reasons I took the job at channel four. And so now I'm like trying to go all in on doing these flying things because I, you know, life's too short. You got to do what you want to do and, and have fun. And, you know, and I'm, I'm I want people to, learn something and find it interesting just like I do. So that'll, that's, that's the whole thing. So you do what you want to do. That's the main thing. Um, but just try to be as good at it as you can. Keep learning about it as you're doing it. Um, you know, you just gotta, you gotta dive in. You gotta, and you know, people, people will help you. Um, but you gotta be realistic. You're, you're not going to be an instant success and don't be afraid to fail. You know, if you're going to, you're going to fail. I mean, that, that's okay. As long as you learn from that and don't repeat your failures, don't keep doing the same thing over and over again to where it's not working out for you. Um, learn from it and, and get better. You know, I mean, I, I've tried to learn a little bit about how to play a piano. I'm like, oh, this is driving me nuts. But it's like I'm not putting enough time into it, and I keep you know, kind of coming up against the same wall. And the same with like learning a language, you know, it's like you got to you got to invest a lot of time into doing it. So, and when I got my pilot's license, I was like, well, I'm going to do this and I can't just waste a bunch of money taking lessons and never get a license because that's pointless. So I really committed to doing it and set aside a chunk of time and, and I got my license. So it's uh, one of those things where. If you really want to do something, then you got to invest the time and effort to make it happen. And it's okay to, like when I took my first check ride, I failed. I failed my first check ride. Uh, I did something wrong. I can't remember what it was. And the, the inspector said, no, you're not ready yet. And uh, he goes, come back after you fix these problems. And he told me what I was doing wrong. And I fixed them, came back and passed. So like you hear all these people who want to be attorneys failing the bar exam. And it's like some, it, 
you know, not everybody passes on the first try. In fact, I think most people fail on the first try. And great, great lawyers have failed the bar exam. But, you know, so, yeah, whatever you do, just, you know, keep doing it. Keep, keep chasing what you want to do and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you've really cracked the code because you kind of integrated two things that you love and just put them together in those, you know, in the flying news, you know, when you fly for the news stories. So that's really cool how you did that. Yeah. And it wasn't even a plan. It just worked out that way. So mm-hmm. it's not like I, you know, when I was 18 years old, went, you know, I want to be a flying journalist. <laughs> I never planned that. Um, well, I think uh, that's going to end it. I don't want to take that much of your time. You know, I think a lot of my listeners really, you know, want to get into the broadcast journalism field. So I think you really shared a lot of great experiences and just like unique stories and uh on behalf of them and myself uh i just want to say thank you for doing this and that's gonna be it Uh, okay i have nothing really else to say i just want to say thank you for doing this i learned a lot and i really appreciate you just taking the time out of your day to do this interview no problem my pleasure good luck with it And that's going to be it for the interview with Ken Wayne. I hope you had a great time listening. I know I had a great time talking to him. And he was such a great guest to be on because he gave so many great perspectives on what it's like being in the broadcast journalism field, which is something that a lot of people want to be getting into these days. And he really gave a good perspective into how to start and what the process is like. Uh, you know, actually being a journalist and a broadcaster. And I really want to thank him for giving his experiences and his perspective to uh, you guys and me. Uh, Yeah, again, I want to thank him a lot for doing this interview. You know, he was such a great guest and I really appreciate it. And that's going to be it for the podcast. Uh, Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to be trying my best to get a bunch of great people to be on the podcast that can't wait all right thanks for listening i'll see you in the next one thanks for listening to the major jobs podcast if you liked it please be sure to follow us on instagram at major jobs podcast if you have an interesting career and want to be featured on the show send us an email at major jobs podcast at gmail.com with your job title and college major if applicable again thanks for listening and remember life happens wherever you are whether you make it or not